Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Do you remember the story of Little Red Riding Hood? It's a fairy tale about a young girl and a big bad wolf. The origin of that story can be traced all the way back to the 10th century. But many different versions and variety of the stories have been told. The most well-known tells the tale of a young girl who goes through the woods to get to her grandmother's house to take her some food. Her grandmother's been sick and mom says, take grandmother some food. So she goes through the woods to her grandmother's house and on the way, she encounters a wolf. Well, she ends up talking with that wolf, and she tells that wolf what she's doing, going to my grandma's house to take her some food. Well, the wolf, he shortcuts it through a trail, and he gets to grandmother's house first, and he swallows up grandma. He eats her up, and then he dresses in her clothes, and he gets in her bed. Little Red Riding Hood arrives, and things things just don't seem quite right. What a deep voice you have, Grandmother. Oh, the better to greet you with, the wolf says. My, what big eyes you have, Grandmother. Oh, the better to see you with, the wolf says. And what big hands you have, Grandmother. The better to embrace you with, the wolf says. And then finally, what a big mouth you have. And in some versions, it says, what big teeth you have. And then the wolf leaps out of the bed and eats up the little girl. That's how the original story ended. Most later versions changed it up a little bit. The most traditional adaptation says that a woodcutter or a hunter comes to the rescue and with his axe, he cuts open the wolf and out comes grandma and Little Red Riding Hood. They're shaken up, but other than that, they're not harmed. It's kind of a dark story, a little little twisted, and really a lot of children's fairy tales and stories are. Uh, It's been cleaned up through the years, and in even more recent versions, the wolf doesn't eat up grandmother. He just locks her in a closet, and a lumberjack comes in and saves Little Red Riding Hood before the wolf is able to eat her. It's a strange story for sure, but I guess the moral of the story, I guess the moral of that story is be careful because sometimes things aren't always what they seem. Sometimes things that look safe are actually very dangerous. When, when Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount, he, he said the very same thing. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Jesus used the image of a wolf in sheep's clothing to describe false prophets. And he gave that word of warning right after, right after he had just talked about the two different roads that we can choose to follow. Remember, I talked about that last Sunday. Jesus said 
that we can take the wide road that looks safe, the road that most people take, or we can choose the narrow road, the road that is more rugged and less traveled. The road, the narrow, that road, the narrow road, that's the road that leads to life. The road that looks safe, it, it doesn't end well. It, it leads to destruction. And just like life has a dangerous road that we can choose, there are dangerous people that we need to be careful of. He calls them wolves dressed up like sheep. He calls them false prophets. People that either intentionally or inadvertently lead us down the wrong road. We need to be careful. We need to be careful because there are, there are wolves in the sheep pen. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus told a parable. He talked about the wheat and the weeds growing together in the same field. In Peter's letter to the church, he wrote about false prophets and false teachers. And he said, they've been there since the church started, and they'll be there till Jesus comes again. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says, There were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign, lawn who, the sovereign Lord who bought them. Bringing swift destruction on themselves, many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Peter said, these false prophets, these false teachers, they've been among you and they will continue to be among you. He said, many people will follow them right into their depraved conduct and the truth will be dishonored and disgraced. The reality is, this side of heaven, there is no perfect and pure church. There are weeds mixed in with the wheat. There are wolves hiding in with the sheep. So how, how do you know who to listen to? How do you know what to listen to? How do you know what is a good influence and, and, and what isn't? Well, Jesus answered that question. If we continue in Matthew 7, verse 16 through 20, Jesus said, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Way back in 1994, Leanne and I were blessed and we were able to visit Israel. We were given an all-expenses tour of Israel by a friend of my grandfather's. And it was definitely a blessing that we were grateful for, we appreciated. But someday I, I do hope to go back because we, we were so young. We really didn't take all the experience and the information from the trip that we could have. But it was very nice. Travel was covered. Hotels were covered. Sightseeing tours were covered. And breakfast and dinner was included. Lunch wasn't. Leanne and I were fresh out of college and, and didn't have much. 
we didn't we didn't have the money to buy lunch every day. So we bought the first day of the trip, we bought a bag, a big bag of potato chips. And while the group was having lunch, we went off on our own and we ate through that bag of potato chips through the trip. One day we were eating in a park underneath a tree, underneath an olive tree. And do you know how I knew that it was an olive tree? I'm a genius. I figured it out. I knew that it was an olive tree because it had olives on it. Because of the fruit, it had olives growing on it. Now, now you might be wondering, are olives a fruit? Well, yes, they are. Inside the pit, inside the olive, are the seeds, and therefore, technically, it's a fruit. An olive tree produces olives. An apple tree produces apples. A banana tree produces bananas. Jesus said, by their fruit, by what they're producing, by their fruit, you will recognize them. You will know who to listen to by what they produce, by looking at what they produce. You can know who's a good influence by looking at the fruit of their actions. You can know who is a genuine and authentic Christian by looking at what they do. Anyone can claim just about anything. But what we do reveals the truth. In England, uh, all desserts used to be referred to as pudding. Pudding was just what they called the dessert for the meal. And a common phrase came about. People would say that the proof is in the pudding. What they meant was that the meal couldn't be judged good or bad until the dessert was given. And then the proof would be in the pudding. If the dessert was good, well, then the meal was good. If the dessert was lame, well, then the meal wasn't good. I totally agree with this. I mean, I could have a steak that tastes like an old shoe, but if you give me a big old piece of peanut butter pie right afterwards and put a little chocolate syrup on it, I'm happy. According to that old English saying, a good cook makes a good dessert. According to Jesus, a good tree produces good fruit. Bad tree produces bad fruit. Faith is meant to produce goodness in your life. It should be evident in our church leaders and teachers, and it should be evident with anyone who claims to follow Christ. Galatians chapter 5 gives us a list that's actually called the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 22-23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Real, genuine faith is meant to produce these qualities in the life of every Christian. Every Christian being led and influenced by the Holy Spirit is meant to have these qualities in their life. It's a real red flag. It's a real red flag if those qualities are just not there. If they're absent, it means either that God's Spirit is not there, 
or his spirit is there, but the spirit is being ignored, starved out, or denied. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, Keep in step with the spirit. We can claim the faith and we can say, I am a Christian. But we have to look real close at what Jesus said next. We have to look real close at what Jesus said next. Because right after Jesus talked about wolves dressed up like sheep, and right after he talked about recognizing a good tree by the good fruit that it produces, Jesus said this in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 21, verse 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It has been said, and I agree, Matthew 7.21 is the scariest verse in the Bible. Not everyone who calls Jesus Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. The Christian faith is centered. It's centered upon Jesus as Lord and Savior. We are brought into a saving relationship in Christ when we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. But here in this verse, Jesus explicitly tells us that not everyone who calls him Lord will be in heaven. Now, even in the early days of the New Testament, when the disciples were first establishing the church, they would prophesy in Jesus' name, they would cast out demons, they'd perform miracles. But Jesus says, even that, even that is not real evidence for a genuine faith. That blows my mind. That just blows my mind. Essentially, someone can preach, teach, and proclaim Jesus. They can even do miraculous things in the name of Jesus. But Jesus might still say, I don't know you. I don't know you. Wolves in sheep's clothing. You see, it's, it's about the fruit. It's the character of our hearts. Jesus wants our hearts to be shaped like his. Our faith is meant to be more than external actions. It's not just what we say. It's not just what we do. It's who we are. The Barna Group is a research and resource organization that is focused on the intersection of faith and culture. And for years, for years, according to the research done by Barna, most Americans say they're Christians, but few of them actually follow that up with deep, heartfelt, life-directing commitments. In their studies, they found that a lot of professing Christians did not have values or, act different, or activities that were much different than those outside of the faith. And many of them, when they were questioned specifically, didn't even agree with the basic and core doctrines of the faith. 
Some people who claim the Christian faith don't think that Jesus is actually the only way for salvation and forgiveness for sin, even though that is exactly what Jesus said. Some people who claim the Christian faith consider Christianity just another religious option with no more validity than any other religious tradition. And some people who claim the Christian faith believe that all God expects from us is to believe in him. Participation with the church is optional, and living a devoted life is admirable but not necessary. One conclusion from this Barner research can be said like this. It can be said that there's a lot of Christians who don't live or think much differently than non-Christians. But maybe there's another way we need to look at that. Maybe there's a better way to translate it. Maybe we should say it like this. There's a number of people who would claim themselves and call themselves Christians, but aren't really Christian. Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. And then he said this, not everyone who calls him Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. But then he said, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. God does not want just an empty and shallow declaration of faith. God wants our total allegiance. When Jesus is actually the Lord of our life, we choose his will over our own. Bobby Richardson was second baseman for the New York Yankees way back in 1955 through 1966. He once offered a prayer that is often quoted. He was at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes gathering, an FCA gathering, and he prayed a very brief and simple prayer. He said, Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Less about us and more about him. Jesus at the very center of our life. Imagine something with me. Let's imagine that you and I plan to meet and have breakfast at a restaurant over in Champaign. And, and you get there at 8.30 in the morning, 8.30 a.m. And that's the time we said that we would meet, but, but I'm not there. So you wait and you wait, and 20 minutes later, I come in. And everything looks fine, but I come up and I say to you, I say, I'm sorry. I, I got a phone call right before I left, and, and I got a late start. And then when I was headed out of town, I got stopped by a train, and I had to wait for the train. And then when I got on the interstate, I actually had a flat tire. And then while I was changing the flat tire, I took a step back onto the interstate, and I got hit by a semi. Um, and that's why I'm late, but here I am. Would you believe me? I, would you believe me? You, you might believe the phone call. You might believe the train. You might believe the flat tire. But getting hit by the semi, you probably wouldn't believe that. Because if I got hit by a semi, it would be obvious. 
Jesus is Lord. And we, when we surrender and we let him reach into our heart and tear out our sin and then fill us with the Holy Spirit, we don't walk away from that just the same. It makes us different. The impact is obvious. Be careful. Be on guard. Because there are wolves in the sheep pen. And all that appears to be good might not actually be good. Check the fruit. Check the fruit. Are things different? Is there an obvious impact of the Lord? When Jesus is Lord, we don't just say it. We live it. It's not just external. It's a transformation of who we are. His presence is noticed. The Spirit produces good fruit in our life. Our hearts are changed. Our character is Christ-like. If Jesus is Lord, Jesus must be at the center of our life. Please pray with me. Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. And if you'd like to leave a comment, please send an email to c.wordspodcast at gmail.com. May the word of God be living and active in your life. <laughs>